Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I hate to say good in a situation like this, but uh, I am good. You're good. Yeah. Well, so this, I mean, you can tell from the title, this episode will be about uh, coronavirus and its discontents. And um, we are um, taking this very seriously, especially like personally, and this this is totally serious. Uh, Todd is um, very vulnerable <laughs> to this uh, right now. I say with a um, self-conscious, nervous laugh. Uh, we we didn't. I don't think we talked about this before, or like, or, or it might have come up on the disability episode. Like, I don't. I'm not sure if I remember, but like, your lungs are not in great shape, and you not in great shape. The house. Right. Right. I yeah. would not live if I got it. So. There's that. Yeah. So that's a thing that I walk around thinking about from time to time. Yeah. Uh, and that's like very heavy. Um, so if you don't listening, like I'm sure like the way that this is, is going to spread and get out there, uh, you will know someone personally who, who will be affected, but if you, or, or has the potential to be seriously affected, but if you don't, you, and you're a listener, you know, Todd. And so every time you don't go out and every time you don't do something, you potentially, are are keeping him safe. So so there's that. Um, alternatively, if you know someone who's ever wanted to take a shot at Tom McGowan, now's probably their best chance. It would be a good time. Chance. That's right. It'd be a good That's time because right. a a slight the slightest wind uh, <laughs> at, at this at this point. So um, but no. So we're <laughs> so we're gonna That's proceed. True. In the, yes, it is true. Um, uh, so we're going to proceed uh, to uh, and, and talk about this um, in the manner to which uh, listeners have uh, become accustomed. Uh, so, Todd, you've written something about um, uh, coronavirus and uh, the state of exception, state of emergency. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I okay. think that it's. I, I think what's nice about it. I know it's horrible that it's going to kill millions of people. But I think what's theoretically interesting about it is that it shows... Yeah, theoretically interesting. This is how you're going to, how you're using the word nice. I think that's, yeah, totally that's right. That that's right. Fine. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I'm speaking yeah. as someone, as you pointed out, who's who's himself not in great shape as a result of this. Yeah. But um, yeah, that I think that it's, what's interesting is that the, it shows the virus, just the, the, the very responses to the virus shows that this, the declaration of a state of exception, which thinkers from Benjamin to Agamben have said, Walter Benjamin to Giorgio Agamben have said, when you declare a state of exception or state of emergency, sorry, I, I, I meant to say state of emergency and not state of exception, <laughs> but in, in mm-hmm. a certain way, they're yeah, the same just, thing. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, that when you declare a state of emergency, it's actually a way of avoiding a real potentially radical emergency that would change capitalist society. So, mm-hmm. So that, that there's a there's a near consensus theoretically on the left that the declaration of the state of emergency is a if not just a conservative gesture even a fascist gesture mm-hmm. and so what I find interesting is if that's true why in the world are Trump and Bolsonaro so reluctant to declare a state of emergency like you would think if, if I mean as they're both we think aspiring fascists or at least aspiring right, authoritarians right. why would they not why would they not jump at the chance to do it and i think what's interesting is it shows that the declaration of a state of emergency when it's a natural disaster and not a war and that's i think the crucial thing yeah that's crucial yeah mm-hmm. yeah when it when it's that distinction then the declaration of the state of emergency actually has the effect of creating not creating but making apparent the collectivity 
and not – like we cease to be just isolated individuals and we all of a sudden become conscious of ourselves as part of a collective when the emergency is declared. And I think that's different. And, and you know, there's a collective that gets formed when there's a war also, but it, it requires it's – a, it's a limited collective because – It requires all, a villain. Right. It requires a villain or an us, a friend, enemy, this distinction made famous by Carl Schmitt, himself Nazi philosopher, mm. um, that it requires this friend-enemy distinction. And, and what's, what's, I think, inherently leftist about a natural disaster is that it does not require the friend-enemy distinction, which is why Trump is so desperate to create, you know, this, this yeah, like, yeah. you know, the China virus or the, the joke that they make in the Trump White House, they call it Kung Flu, right? And, and yeah. the, the, the stupidity of that joke is, is sort of the stupidity of the Trump White House and their whole response. But it's also, it's, it reveals how they're so desperate to make the opposition friend-enemy and not just collective response to the disaster because I think they're they they clearly fear the collectivity that will emerge. Yeah. It's it's interesting and so like the 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 enforcing this this particularity to it the like the crossing out a coronavirus and and making it China or Chinese and then the defense the like the Lindsey Graham the, uh, defense the next day was like well what about the Spanish flu and then the next time I was like that was in Kansas is probably where that started uh, or like it came from America you know and yeah, and yeah. It, you know like there because that's the whole um, that's the whole uh, like the it's the, the way that this presidential administration like goes about their their racism and their and their fascism is just to be like well I didn't know it was racist it's accurate you know like that's their kind of their whole their whole thing and it's not um, i mean at least as far as i can tell like no like because i mean this this goes to your point because of the enormity of how everyone is being uh, affected by this um it's like no one has time for that like particularity like like no one has time for there to be a villain because it doesn't solve this like it right. doesn't, it doesn't like if you start a war in China, it doesn't mean people in America don't get coronavirus, right. you know? So like, that's, that's kind of the, that's the failure. I, I, I think at least in the present moment, I mean, like, you right. Know, and I think I, hell, hell has no bottom as Murakami wrote. So it could always get worse, but like, but right now, like that's, I think kind of what you're, what you're looking at is because of the, and again, I mean, that's the, the, the word, right. Pandemic pan, like everybody, like right. it, 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 there, there's no discrimination you know, like, like rich, poor, it doesn't matter. Some people are far more vulnerable than others, like obviously, but like it, it, it will affect everyone. And I think the, the collectivity of that is like winning out, or at least it's highlighting the, like, you're just trying to make this racist and make a good guy, bad guy thing. Like right. it, it's, it's, it's more obvious than the other dog whistles that I think that this administration has sometimes like maybe gotten away with in the popular imagination. I think it's a great point because, and I think that's also why there's such an outrage about senators trying to capitalize on their knowledge of the virus, right? It's the same oh, yeah. thing. It's like mm-hmm. they violated the collective sense that the virus itself has, and the the response to the virus has created, and I think that yeah. I mean it's a, it's an interesting time when Republicans are proposing a universal basic income, right? It's like a <laughs> yeah. I, I mean it's a fascinating time for that reason, and I think it just shows the inherent leftism of a natural disaster, which also is I think shown by disaster films, right? Like their films, mm. the trajectory of those films is always the same. It's always, there are all these individual isolated particulars 
it before mm-hmm. the disaster. The disaster right. strikes, and then every the person who insists on their particularity after the disaster always dies or is the villain yeah. who must be. Yeah, they're just the bad guy. They yeah. just have to. 20, be shown. 2012 is a great example. Great example the, of that. Uh, I mean, yeah. Volcano is my, maybe my favorite example. It's not oh, the greatest film, but right. The, the the capitalist who has just built a building right in the middle of Los Angeles, his building has to be toppled down to to save the whole city. And he's like, he's furious. And his wife is a surgeon. <laughs> and he's like, why are you here trying to save these people? And then there's this great moment. And, and she doesn't say anything. She just keeps working on the people she's trying to save. And mm-hmm. then he goes, why don't you answer me? And she says, I am answering you. Like her not. And I I love that, that nothing like that, this idea of like the collective thing is this, like, it can't be articulated. It's this. Mm -hmm. And I think the film was, you know, that's why the film is, is, you know, it's not a great film, but it's a pretty good film because it has that idea sort of back to our Titanic discussion. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, But anyway, so I, so I think that that sense of the collective is, is, you know, almost any disaster film shows that. And I think that that's, you know, that's crucial to understanding what's even happening at this moment. Mm, mm, absolutely. I, I think that what we're looking at here is, is like, okay, so you, you say the, the, like the leftism of the, even the, of the right proposing like a, like a basic income. And there are, of course, like at where, as we're recording this, the, um, there's, there's a lot of talk on on Twitter that like the the right is outfoxing the left from the from the left, and it like I think it, it seemed like that may, that was possibly true for a couple of days, and then you get to like a little bit more information about what the McConnell bill is, and it's like the less money you have, the less basic income you get, which is like they like for the people they're not a, they're they're not they're not even. No one is a competent hero and no one is a competent villain right now, which is, I think, maybe frustrating for all of us. Um, so, I mean, but again, whatever. Things could change. But as as we're recording this, um, the, the people who need the money the most would get $600 from this Republican plan. Uh, and so we'll we'll see what happens. But what you're identifying, and I, and I think, like, this is the important point, is that, like, the, the disaster is um, a moment for the left to seize it. And to put it in sort of in Lacanian terminology, it, it offers the opportunity for quilting point right, and right. or for, for punctuation. And, and where the period is placed on this like uh, open ended sentence right now will determine a lot moving forward, because if if, if it's a, a conservative kind of, of basic income, that's a. A, a, like a manifestly bad thing and a blown opportunity for the left. But if it is a more left, like genuinely left kind of uh, a decision and, and um, response to this, then that is like, that's a genuinely good thing. Right. Oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I think that, you know, the, there's always the possibility that the conservative reaction can win out, even if the event itself is left leaning, right? Like that's, yeah. I mean, like Napoleon can result from the French Revolution. It's always, yeah, right, right, right. there's always the chance for that. So I think you're right. I mean, the point about punctuation is really, really good. And I think it, you know, we get this chance to kind of reconsider all these things, like reconsider mm-hmm. the declaration of emergency, reconsider mm-hmm. even what state power can be used for, right? Like, like all of a sudden, this is also becoming apparent that the opposition between, you know, opposition is probably too strong a word, but opposition or tension between capital and state power is becoming manifest, right? Because, you know, mm-hmm. all the things the state has to do, 
just to ensure that people survive puts it at odds with capital, right? Like right. the there's this guy, Rick, I think his name is Rick Santelli. Did you you know about this? I think I, I wrote in my little piece. I oh, yeah, about yeah. I've, I've read it. Yeah, but go ahead. Please. Yeah, that he, he – uh, this piece will probably never see the light of day, so it's good. That, <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good that good, we good talk, to talk about it. It's good to talk about it. That uh, that he he was like, let's just let everybody get infected, and the people that die die, and that way capital's not interrupted. It's the right. least interrupted. And so that it's nice. I mean that. And then he had to apologize because you're not allowed to articulate baldly the logic of capital, I guess. <laughs> right, right. You, uh, you flew too close to the sun. That's like, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So his wings melted. But he uh, – Yeah. He uh, – so, so that, that – but that idea, I think, is the idea of capital or the logic of capital. And then – and that, that notion of uninterrupted accumulation and, and – flow of capital is at odds with the state trying to ensure people's survival. So it's interesting. I think that that tension, all of a sudden we can see the state as a site of possibility rather than just an ideological tool of capital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's, that's, that's very interesting because I think, um, I mean, doesn't this actually go back to one of our like first episodes, the, um, the Blade Runner one? Yeah. Just yeah, thinking yeah, about, yeah. You know, yeah. where, where it becomes clear that it's actually, um, like it's the law that needs uh, racism. It's the law that needs uh, these these like identitarian distinction, and it's not capital. It's not capital, the, right. Yeah. right? Yeah, and and it's uh, yeah. So there, this, this is it's a um, it's a reveal. I think people have pointed this out that apocalypse means like unveiling or or, or revelation, right? And and like this moment is unveiling a lot of different things like, like you, you know, like there's some very obvious ones, right. That have been going around the internet that like, you could have been working from home this whole time, but, you know, like m- people with disabilities could also have, like they could either have done the job that you're doing or they could have been accommodated more, you know, better for it. You know, like, um, money is like really just numbers on a, on a computer screen. It's not like there there's when we start talking about like the bailouts, even with the, like the, um, you know, largely ab- uh, abhorrent, like Republican bills, still a trillion dollars. And it's like, you know, where's, where are the deficit hawks? You know, I mean, it's Nancy Pelosi is the deficit hawk now. Uh, and like, and hope, and that even that I think is, is not even really being a, a, a thing, but so there's all, all of these, like these fictions, I think in a, I'd say in a negative sense that like, um, or wait, what would be a better word? Like, uh, like is is mirror stage like like societal mirror stage like kind of crumbling like a little it's bit crumbling you know? yeah. yeah yeah that's an interesting way to put it I think that's right like the certain like the our or maybe our ideal ego is kind of crumbling down and the illusions that are attached to that yeah yeah, yeah. which is like you know like like that. Um, I mean, with like with employment and also, I mean, OK, here's 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 the biggest one, right? That the economy was strong, like unemployment was uh, was was we were, like the Trump administration and like was 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 somehow like winning and adding jobs to the economy, which was also like uh, taking off from the Obama economy. Like, isn't it like very, very clear with all the people who are laid off right now? Just exactly like how th- these jobs that people were getting were just untenable. Right, like right. They, they were, they were, they were, they were numbers on uh, an unemployment report. They were not, they were not careers. You know, like it, it just it exposes how vulnerable the workforce, not just people who were not in it, but the workforces. And I think that as um, 
it's painful, but it's like, I think it's, it's for, it's forcing people to, uh, to acknowledge, uh, like all of this, like, uh, I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know. Th- th- there's just so, there's a, I mean, c- could, could we also not talk of like rupture, you know, like, like yeah, yeah, no, I think it is a rupture. I think, I mean, your point is right about the, about the way so much of the workforce was working on the basis of an unprecedented corporate debt. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this reveals that that I mean, the debt becomes apparent. And then everyone's saying, I think all the economists are saying, I think they're not all the economists. There's a few like lunatics that think we'll just have this great bounce back. But other yeah. people are like, look, the underlying weakness of the economy gets exposed. And I think that so mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point that you know this uh, line from Stairway is it from Stairway to Heaven? All will be revealed. Like then, oh. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that that I think that that's true. Like every the disaster revealed. Everything except I would say the one thing about that when you said it shows that all these jobs can be done from home, I think that's right. Except our job, like I think, uh, <laughs> isn't it showing yeah. that 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 online education is just bullshit? Like it's like it's so it, funny. It, it's yeah, so much right. worse. It's so much worse <laughs> than the in person alternative. Like yeah. okay, there are people that that's all they can do, and then we have we should we should do it for the sake of them. And I, I'm yeah. completely for that. But the idea that you get a college credit, it's the same for doing something online as doing something in person. This just shows that's just absolutely false. Like it's absolutely false. Like all my students are like, this sucks in comparison. It's no, yeah. there's no, and, and I'm like, I, I'm, I have colleagues who are just like, I'm just going to create a discussion board so the students can have a discussion. Like that's their class. So, mm-hmm. which I think yeah. is almost criminal, but, but, I, I'm like I'm really doing a lot, and they're still saying this is all. This is like nothing. Like it's nothing compared to what a real class, uh, an in-person class is. Yeah, it's. I mean, that is true. Like our like our whole um, profession has gone hard into uh, using Zoom, right? Like that's right, right. That's been the big thing. And then what you know, I mean, actually go, going along with um, what what it unveils, it unveils that um, Zoom has these really weird, and I think they may have responded by letting you opt out. I, but I'm, I'm not sure. But there was this thing where like Zoom technically can own anything that's recorded, like anything that's broadcast over, over Zoom or anything. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. That's yeah, phenomenal. yeah, yeah. So all, all, of, all of these things emerged uh, when, when uh, different, you know, uh, educational institutions were starting to, to use it. So like that, that's another, that's another thing. Like it's just like, you know, you just, you, you poke at the, um, the unacknowledged uh, support to the in, entire symbolic uh, situation. Um, it's true. Like, I think that basic, well, I mean, there's just a, just a minor point, but like uh, a, a college credit for, for online course is, is largely mostly for time management. Like, right. like that, right. that, that's basically what you're getting the, the credit for everything. That is the reason why college exists. Well, not, maybe not everything, but like a lot of the reason why it exists, you really, it ca- cannot be, <laughs> cannot be done that way. Um, yeah. Like even a lecture, yeah. that's what's amazing, right? Like even yeah. a lecture, which you'd think like, why couldn't you just give that online in the same way? But you just, it's just, it's just, it falls flat totally. You just can't yeah. do it. Like it's just. You need it, the, the people in the room is like, you know, it's well, like, like stand-up comedy. Could you imagine going to a stand-up comedy show on Zoom? Like that would be impossible, ridiculous. right? It'd why, be why, ridiculous. Would you, why would you do that? Why would you do yeah. it? I mean, it's funny because I, I it has radically curtailed my own joking in the, in the class, which I find really <laughs> reprehensible. It's funny that mm-hmm. I could tell, like when I'm talking to you, it's, it's fine because there's another person. But when right. I'm just talking into the mic, like I've told a couple of jokes that I've like, my, my first joke was, 
uh, I showed the film The Conversation and then I showed the clip. And at the end of the film, Gene Hackman completely destroys his apartment. Like he rips up the floor. He peels off the wallpaper. He does all this stuff. And then I said at the end that the clip ends and I go, I don't think he'll get his security deposit back. And I thought, well, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. But but I, there was no one to laugh. So I'm no, like, so <laughs> it's just kind of, I'm like, well, maybe they thought that was funny, but I don't know. So I You're think- putting that out into the void, yeah. I know, <laughs> I know. And I think, you know, I think there's a way in which comedy is, is essential. I mean, this isn't true for everyone who teaches, but- Maybe I would maybe want to advance a theory of this that comedy is essential for learning, right? Like it's, it gets mm. you, it's like it opens a door through which you can then learn something. And I feel like that's completely lost in the online environment. Real quick, did you know that this was actually the? Um, I actually wrote something like that for the pedagogy course that I took at UVM. I did not know that. No. I don't, I don't think we've ever talked about that. Yeah. yeah. No, I wrote about. I tried to find because there is a thing about like if you're laughing. Um, there, there, there's supposedly at like the physiological level. Um, and I don't, I, and I don't understand this as well as I did when I did that like eight years ago. Um, and I maybe didn't understand it properly then, but there is something that happens where like, um, people reject new ideas as though they are viruses. And it is a reaction that uh, is shut down if you're laughing. Ryan, that's amazing. I love it when yeah. a scientific idea can help <laughs> something that I yes. like theoretically. Yes, otherwise, yes, I yes, reject yes, yeah. all kind of <laughs> scientific. <laughs> otherwise, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. That's like, I love that in Seminar 10. Uh, I think Lacan begins with like uh, appealing to the dictionary. Um, and he says that he likes to do it when it helps him, but like other, to, otherwise, like we don't do this for words. It's like, it's really, it's a, I forget the way he phrased it. It's something like that. It's yeah. It's pretty way. great. Yeah. I do remember that. That's pretty good. But back to yeah. state power yeah, from, sure. from the comedy back to, to the, state power. Yeah. Yeah. From comedy to state power. Well, actually to be or not to be, I'm just trying to make connections to every other, like many other episodes we've had. Yeah. That's, well, uh, yeah. it's the greatest comedy ever, ever made. So yeah. That, yeah. Um, but um, is it a comedy about state power? State power. Exactly. Yeah, that's yep. right. That's right. Uh, you know, I think that that's that, that, you know, there's this whole, and I think it's interesting that Agamben for me is like, is the, I, I used to be, I used to think Agamben was pretty great and now I've kind of had a falling out. <laughs> and I, and I think that his, and one of the reasons is I think his disaffection for state, like his, his disaffection for state power, his belief that state power is always oppressive. And I mm -hmm. think, I just don't think that's true. And I also think it's it's what's interesting about the virus is that the state is intervening for the sake of bare life, what you would call uh, yeah. bare life, right? But mm -hmm. it's but it's not it's not in a reactionary or fascistic way. So I think it mm -hmm. kind of calls into question the entire concept of bare life. Like the So let's back this let's can we back Yeah, yeah, so let's back it up. So I'm I kind of skipped ahead of about a lot. No, of no, no, it's okay. So yeah, so he's written something recently, but I think we even have to go back uh, before that. Like, um, so Agamben's um, big—I I, want to say like his, his big contribution to uh, biopower, which is like really where his um, his whole theoretical like edifice like is is constructed. Let's from, backtrack like, even further. So it's a concept invented <laughs> okay. by Michel Foucault, right? Yes, that's even further. Right, exactly, and that's in History of Sexuality, History of Sexuality, um, Volume One, and and yep. his point is that politics or pow state power has changed in the course of, I don't know, he's never precise about the timing, but right. in the course of, of the last history. 200 years, yeah, history, right? <laughs> uh, 
There was but, pastoral power and then he moves, yeah, right, and then it's biopower. Right, and so biopower. I think biopower is pastoral power, actually. I think, right? Yeah, I think so. But, but the, whole, the main opposition is between mm-hmm. some kind of punitive power and biopower, right? And so biopower is no longer – so he, he has this nice formulation where he says power used to – he doesn't – this isn't a precise quotation, but he says power used to uh, – Used to take life, and now it mm-hmm. make now it it makes life. It makes you live. Like it's so mm-hmm. it, it it ceases to threaten you with death, and instead forces you to to live in a certain way. And mm-hmm. that out of that, Agamben in Homo Soccer, which he wrote in the late nineties, gets the idea of bare life. That what power mm-hmm. is taking a hold of is bare life, and Agamben distinguishes between two things: these Greek terms, bios and zoe. So, bios is life within the polis, and zoe mm-hmm. is bare life. And so, he this distinction between those two is he thinks that that distinction is broken down. So, we're, we're in the in the in the under the regime of biopower, all we're all stuck in bare life all the time. So we we cease Can to I have. Give, yeah. Oh no, sorry. No, no. You you finish that, and then I'll. I'll I was just going to say we cease to have the 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 political political life, the life of the polis. He gets this idea from Hannah. I mean, I'm mentioning ten million thinkers, but he gets this idea from <laughs> from Hannah Arendt, and so that that her idea is that political life has has ceased under. She thought under both communism and capitalism, but he just thinks under capitalism that we've under that this biopower has taken over any kind of other political life, and we become ensconced in bare life. Okay, okay. So the great filmic example of this, I think, is Wall-E. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, Pixar yeah, yeah. film. So yeah, the, for sure. If if a listener, if you've seen it um or if you haven't you could just pause the podcast run out and watch Wally, and then just yeah, come back. It's, yeah. Gr- it's great yeah it's so good. there's yeah. what happens in the so if you haven't seen it i'll just i'll try to do quick the plot is that there's a um there's a tiny there's a robot that is um charged with cleaning up the earth after like a it, we we have made the planet like uninhabitable and he's just like you know, making piles and, and whatever. And, and he f- finds his way onto a ship, which is where all of humanity is. They're on this ship and everyone is fat and they are in like, um, chairs, like they're like obese, like, and they're in these like moving, like hover chairs. Um, and they're just consuming like endless, endless, like consuming. And it's just like a total fusing of the body and capital, I think like, like, you know, so, and, the thing that kind of pierces it is the um the sh- the captain of the ship finds out about uh he runs into the the robot Wally and there there's like a a thing and he sees like a plant i forget what it is exactly but he starts asking the computer that runs the ship questions about like things he never knew before and he says like he asks what's earth and he starts getting all this information or whatever and so the captain starts learning about this planet that you know we used to live on and all these things and there are hot dog trees he thinks and we should go back there and he says to the to the ship computer set a course for earth and the computer says no he says uh he says why he says mankind will not survive on earth and then the ship captain says i don't want to survive i want to live and it's like for me, I think it's like it's like one of the great Pixar moments. 
like in in all of their films. And I right, think I think Agamben got a writing credit for that film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he must have. Yes, yeah, a refusal of 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 bare life. Right. I, I right. think is is what happens in them in that movie. Right. Although isn't it interesting that that like Agamben's ver- like the for Agamben the disciple of bare life wouldn't be the person sitting around obese. It would be the jogger running through Central Park at, at you know, at six yeah. in the morning, right? Like he, he hates jogging. Like he thinks that that's like this, this, this like total devotion to one's own well-being and health yeah. is part of the bear. That's a, like, that's a symptom of, of biopower. Him. So, so it's interesting. A, that's a nice uh, um, distinction from from the film because the yeah. film goes in the other direction. It, right. is, it goes it goes to, toward survival in this like like how like how much can the basically like what can the body take like how much can the body take and just be like a surviving being right like that that's right. how kind of I, right. I understand that film and then I think that's kind of the the flip side which is that like no it, it's not um it's it's not just the uh, Oh, I don't know. Like his his idea extends to people who are slavishly devoted to their own like uh, bodily health. Right. Right. Like right. That's, right. You know. Right. Absolutely. Right. So so anyway. So this this idea that uh, of Agamben's that that any time power concerns itself with bare life, it's about controlling us. Right. It's about mm-hmm. increasing like the, ship the computer and Wally. Sorry. Right. Like the ship computer and Wally, or like. Apple Watch, right? Like we're supposed to, mm-hmm. we have to look at the watch and make sure, I mean, Agamben would, <laughs> I would like to see him wearing an Apple Watch. Like, mm-hmm. the, like the idea that it's controlling your, like you're supposed to look down at your heart rate and your, I don't know, does your blood, I can't do your blood pressure, but it, it's constantly taking inventory of your bodily functions and, and right. you're all the time meant to be maximizing yourself as a living being or as a surviving being, I think, to get to mm-hmm. the Wally distinction, right, which right, is, right. I think, akin to what Agamben's talking about. Um, so, but, but you have to be maximizing that at all times. So you're in this constant, and you can see how that kind of power is even more oppressive than the threat of death if you step out of line, like this push to like yeah. constantly make yourself the best you can be and the constantly concern yourself with your survival. It's oppressive. Okay. I, I accept that. But I, what's interesting is I think that he thinks that the state, if it intervenes for the sake of bare life, is always intervening in a dominating, controlling, and oppressive way. And okay, mm-hmm. it's true that uh, these measures by the state that we're seeing today, like they are increasing state control over what people can actually do, right? That's of course true. Mm-hmm. But it's also true that they're cre- there's a way in which those measures are also freeing us from the dictates of capital. So I think it's kind of a, I think it's a kind of a strange thing that I think it forces us to reconsider the notion of, is it bare life, this thing that's oppressing us at all? Anyway, like, like I think it, to me, it should cause us to call into question. And I think even thinkers that are not falling in the lines of Agamben have accepted this, like even Slavoj, I think to some extent accepts the idea of bare life as like that's a real thing, and I, I mm-hmm. wonder if this, if this virus and the disaster of it doesn't call, you know, and the and the way that the response has figures politically doesn't just call into question that entire concept. Like maybe it's just wrong that it's just wrong that 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 bare life is a problem. That it's a problem when the mm-hmm. state concerns itself with bare, because it maybe it never can because it's, you know, like that 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 the state even when it's whenever it's intervening for the sake of survival that it's it's there's really a political dimension to that intervention already 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. You That's buy that? No, I do. I mean, well, what I what I've been kind of hung up uh, on uh, and trying to trying to work through is I I think there is a um, there's a hitch and a hang up in the in the entire idea be, in that it sounds. Foucault, the way Foucault uh, defines it, and I think the way that um, Agamben develops and, and uh, employs it, um, or deploys it, deploy would be a word I think that Foucault would like. But, he would um, like that, yeah. He would like that, yeah. Um, it sounds a lot like superego, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. For sure, and, right? Because the, just the thing I described about the jogger and the Apple yeah. Watch is completely superegoic. Yes, you have you 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 must right like right. you must uh you, you have to and in fact you know it's really funny like i've um i've asked people who there have been points in my life where i'm like you know what i should really get in shape it'd be really that'd be really really good for me and i've talked to people who are like who are like they're always jogging and they're always like they're always working out or whatever and i've asked a couple people i said like so i hate doing it how do you like doing it like like what what's 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 like what do you like about it and this is as totally anecdotal, but like, um, pe- everyone has said to me that like, at first they really hated it. They really didn't like, and then they learned to, to really enjoy it. And I, I've just like, I've just thought like, that's, that is the most super egoic thing that I've heard. I don't think I really want to submit myself to that. Like, like, um, that's interesting. Yeah. I've, I, yeah. I loved it from the beginning. Like I you loved running. Beginning. I loved running from the beginning until, you know, I, until I it hurt you. Yeah. Well, that's right. I, in fact, it's yeah. my devotion to running. I ran with a terrible case of, I had, was coming down with a mild pneumonia and I kept on running and then I gave myself a like almost deadly version of it. So, so it's nice. I mean, that's, I, I love that theoretically. It's not so great <laughs> I, in terms it's of my so life. It's not so great to live with. It's not so great to live with, but theoretically it's so interesting that I, I, I kept on doing this thing that was destroy, you know, like trying to be healthy destroyed my body. I, I, I yeah. find that, but I, it's, it's actually, um, I always thought it was a license to eat more. So that's, that was where oh, I, okay. that's why I that's enjoyed it. Cause I always thought like, well, you know, I'm going to be able to, to eat a Twinkie afterward and that will be, that'll make it worthwhile. <laughs> Someone, by the way, said to me <laughs> that he thought the way that I write it, about yeah. food that it proves that I don't like food. And I thought, that, that, that just proves that you're too highbrow. Like, I, I really yeah, like I, Twinkies. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's true. That is, a, that is a class distinction. It's like, why yeah. is he always talking about Twinkies? Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. When uh, I, where I grew up, like, that, was the, that was a treat. I mean, that was what we had. You know, this is really funny. Someone just, and I'll stop with the, the anecdotes so we can get back to the regularly scheduled uh, episode. But um, at, on the last day of... Um, where like I could see my students before they were sent away from Pomona college, a student came to me and she brought me donuts and I said, why? She said, you're always talking about donuts. And I had absolutely no idea. Like I didn't like, I know. Never, I never, I would have never made the connection. Oh like I, no, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was really funny. And I, w- I was thinking back to, um, I think maybe we talked about it last episode, another one about like the truth of the subject is extimate to you. It's not yeah, intimate yeah. to you. Yeah. Like I just like, I blanked out on this. She said like, yeah, you're always using donuts as examples. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. That's pretty yeah. great. We used to, as a family, we would have, donuts as our Sunday breakfast when it was a special treat. <laughs> like, oh, that's very we nice. We would each have like four. It's it's kind of crazy. Like that was not a healthy breakfast choice. <laughs> um, 
Uh, anyway, back to the yeah. regularly scheduled programming. Um, right, of course. Like, I, I want I, I, So anyway, so that's the point. I mean, it's just that uh, this thing about state power and the fact that it's up for grabs. And I like your mm-hmm. idea that of the quilt, that the, how it gets quilted is going to be decisive and that we should mm-hmm. – and this is something I think you can do from home. Like, you can, you can email – People that are in power, the people that are representatives, and say and push for things, and I think how it gets formulated is going to mm. be vitally important. Like usually, I think yeah. the nuts and bolts of legislation don't really matter, but I think this is a case where it really it, it's vitally important how it results. Yeah, yeah absolutely. If it's not, um, yeah, like the you have to start. Well, I mean, like the, this is uh, a, a, another idea. Like, like if you're if the legislation is not starting from like from the, a position of, of exclusion and vulnerability, then it's, it's not addressing the, the disaster. It's not, right. it's not addressing right. the, like the, the pandemic at all. And like that, and, and we, yeah, we vitally need that, uh, uh, right now. And I mean, you know, there've been like, I've been heartened by some of the, like Rashida Tlaib's like, uh, house again, at the time of this recording, uh, her uh, proposal for $2 trillion, like aid package is really, really great. Yeah. Um, and I don't expect all of it to be accepted, but it's like a, a, it's, it is the, it is where in this country, like we never start from that kind of position in negotiations. Like we, and I mean, this is the problem with the mainstream, the Democrats, uh, I, I refuse to call them the mainstream left um, anymore. I might've called them that before in the past, but I don't, I don't think, they, I don't think they deserve it right. because they right. always start from a position of, of compromise. Right. And then compromise further. And it's just like, oh, well, they would have never done that. So we put something that was more reasonable and then it gets less reasonable. And then, you know, that that it's one of these things that I think um, because Democrats in this country, like they are most of them are conservative or or moderate. And they really just to go back to another episode, they really just have this like secularly moral uh, superiority th- thing like that. That's, that's really the only thing they nurse over their, their conservative counterparts. Um, it never, it, it never hurts. Um, like it never helps, uh, d- Democrats like as n- and nearly as much as they think that like, um, well, we got something done. I think like the mainstream Democrats really think about this. Like, well, we got this, I, we had to, we had to give up a lot, but we got it done. And that never helps them. With at with 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 people with with working people with people who don't routinely don't get helped the like gets things done you know like if you've ever been in this country if you've ever been a part of a poll like a phone poll like you will be asked about um what do you think of the the governor how would you rate the governor on gets things done is like always a question I've been asked and I just think it's like it's a stupid question it's It's a a stupid stupid question question. it only ever helps conservatives like ever like that is a thing and it never ever helps uh democrats because like gets things done it's like yeah you passed legislation that doesn't help anyone who really needs it (laughs) like but you got it done it's just like it's a total like it's it's a, a total lure in in um in, in mainstream democratic thinking that like like desperately needs to be kicked out and thankfully we got some people who are like i think 
uh, understand that, but it's, it's not, it's not pervasive enough. Maybe it will become out of necessity, which it will be crushing, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Crushing necessity. But yeah, I think, I mean, isn't it their investment in capital? Like, isn't that what it is? Yeah. It's well, like, that, that's it, certainly true. you know, I mean, they're just yeah. so invested in, ca- I mean, that's the truth of, of Biden and all these moderate Democrats. That's that why it can only be a moral. That's right. It's like a, a, a conscious ca- capitalism or, you know, like it's just the kind of, that, that's the, their only territory they can go to. Right. That it right. like, it just, um, it, it, it hurts <laughs> more people less. I guess it's sort of it's sort of their their approach. I don't know. Like, yeah, let's like minimize the damage. I guess, I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, but well, they just don't see capitalism as a problem, right? Like no, that's the right. that's part. I mean, how I think that that is maybe one of the dividing lines between left and right. And so, in that way, I agree with you. Like they don't even have the right to call themselves left if you don't see capitalism as a problem. In the, I mean, it's, yeah, it's this formulation. I have it right here. Like if you are if you are someone who thinks, well, we can. Um, we can sort out the worst abuses of capitalism, like, uh, you know, senators selling stock, but based on like private information, right. then what that prevents you from seeing is that the system is itself abuse, you know, like, right. like, no, like exactly. and, and, yeah. and that, that I think is the, is, is the, the schism, like it, it, it's right there. Which is again your your point about the moral response to a political problem, right? Like that's yeah. the that's mm-hmm. the you know like we can make this moral adjustment and not have to make this political adjustment. And I think that's right. the but I think I mean again that's what I think is is important about the virus event. I think it I think mm-hmm. it deserves the term event. Like I think this is Badu would never call it an event, but I think for me it's definitely an event even already. And mm-hmm. I think what's important about it is that it it makes that cut the necessity of the cut from the logic of capital clear. Like even if we're going to, I mean, obviously we're going to retain some aspect of capitalism in going forward. Like it's un, even I accept that it's unimaginable that we could make the total conversion and maybe it's even undesirable. I don't know. But, but I, you know, I think some little pockets of capitalism are probably, are probably necessary and desirable. But I, I, but I think like the notion that that logic of capital Mm-hmm. Is, should be unquestioned. I think that's now radically untenable as a position. Right, right. Well, like the, I told you this before, the call um, that going around the internet is a meme. It's like, how much money does it take for a, a, a Trump supporter to support socialism? It's like about a thousand dollars, which is in reference to the like the bailout. Uh, re- yeah, bailout or the relief thing. Go, yeah, yeah, relief yeah, to yeah. go to each person. So you mentioned uh, Baju and event, and maybe someone listening doesn't know. So it, this is this is a, a, a um, uh, Alain Badiou, a French philosopher of the event. And this is my favorite. So this is my favorite definition of the event. I actually, I have it on hand. Like, wow. We okay. were planning Good. to talk about it. Good. So it's from, it's from a book um, that is just an interview with him called uh, Philosophy and Event. It's very, very readable. Which you think is um, the best intro to him, right? That's the I do actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah I really do. Um, yeah. Because it's not, and I, I, I wish that this was a thing for more, for more philosophers, but it's a, an interview with them where they're having to make sense to the person that's interviewing them. That should solve as the, that that should serve as the interview. I'm sorry, that should serve as the uh, the introduction, not like someone else like writing the the, the introduction. Like uh, I, I, anyway, I just think this it's the best way to to get into the thought. But here, no, here can he, I just um, say something? I love that point that that we should 
read the inter the interviews of the actual person first to learn the thinker's thought rather than some introduction by someone else. I think it's a really too bad Hegel doesn't have any interviews. <laughs> it is that is too bad. <laughs> Although he would have been terrible. He would have been terrible. He, I think he talked just as bad as he writes. So that would have been That's that funny. That would have been helpful. That's that's pretty good. So in our in our um, new introduction to psychoanalysis, we should pull from from interviews. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a good that, idea. Uh, so this is the um so this is on page nine. I even have that. An event is something that brings to light a possibility that was invisible or even unthinkable. An event is not by itself the creation of a reality. It is the creation of a possibility. It opens up possibility. It indicates to us that a possibility exists that has been ignored. And I love this because I think that he, the way he writes actually disagrees with the way he defines it. Because where why i like this is that like he is clear in that quote that event it and and possibility are inextricably like connected right and he quite often will say things are not events because of what happened and i think that conflicts with this idea so like the right now so this is this is an event whether it so he says, I, I think, I don't know where he says this, but like 9-11 for him is not an event because it didn't um, proceed from the position of exclusion and, and change anything for, for, for people. It just reasserted um, decades old uh, racism uh, in, in, in the United States and like anti-Arab, um, anti-Middle East like feeling. So it just found a new way to reassert old hierarchy. Right, and it, which is which is the reason why he, he doesn't consider it an, a, an event, but that's not what he says in that in that really nice quote. It's about the creation of a possibility that did not exist before, and yeah. so right now, so again, we're recording this, and we do not know which way this is going to go for the United States or for the world, but it it has created a possibility to seize genuinely left solutions in a way that otherwise like 12 days, days ago in this country could not be seized. You know what mainstream newspapers were writing about 12 years ago, the tone of Bernie, uh, Bernie Sanders supporters. That's what they were writing about. 12 days ago. And 12 days. You said 12, 12 years ago. ago. That's a funny oh, slip. That's so, that is a funny slip. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm right about that, but yeah. so, or my unconscious was right about that, but yeah, 12 days ago, uh, if it, maybe it feels like it was 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, well, that's what it is. I think that's what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. 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 So that, that, that was the concern. And now we've moved completely to somewhere else. Like we we're in, we're in totally different territory now where it's not so much the idea of a universal basic income is it's not even, it's not a question right now. It's just how much and and how fast it's not if to do it at all, you know? And that's where, um, that's where I, to, to me, that is where you see progress is when ideas have been made when older I or other ideas have been made irrelevant, you know, what's an irrelevant position right now being an anti-vaxxer. Could you make in, in light of all this, like being an anti-vax or I've seen the LA times write this. I think it's awful. They've, they've phrased it as vaccine skeptic. What yeah. a total sanitation of, yeah. of, of this position. Yeah. Like it is an irrelevant position right now. All anyone wants is a vaccine. Like there's no, like that's all anybody wants right now. And, um, that does show, I, you know, again, it's really, really unfortunate that it has to be a pandemic that's brought us here, but that shows a kind of intellectual progression. It's the same thing here is that like the idea of everyone getting money that we're, there's, we're, we're not talking about if we should do that at all. It's, it's now it's how and to who and how much. 
And that is a total like intellectual jump. And that I think anyway, that makes this an event no matter how, how the result plays out. And so that's anyway, so that's what I like about the idea of the event is, is that is it locates, um, when political possibility has occurred that, um, could, could not have occurred before. And it's not about, um, it's not about what happens after. It's not about coaching the result. It's about coaching the process. Well, it is for Badu. I mean, you're right that, that, that yeah. Badu's definition doesn't fit his own elaboration of it in other, other yeah. things, right? Like the couple things, like for one thing, he thinks it's all about the result. Like if it doesn't, yeah. mm-hmm. like he thinks May 1968 is still up in the air. Like it could be an event huh. or it could not, depending on how we, as disciples of the event, like that's his key thing, right? Yeah, like the yeah, disciple yeah. of the event has to make it into an event. And then, so it's all about this fidelity that the disciple shows to the event. Like his example is, is the apostle Paul and his, his fidelity to the Christ event. Although it's funny that I was just going to say the other thing that he disallows for event. He does, Paul is his, almost his paradigmatic example of a, mm-hmm. of a disciple of the event. Um, but what's interesting is he doesn't allow religious events and he doesn't allow economic events and he doesn't allow natural events. So, so there, <laughs> you know, there's only, it has to be an event within one of the four truth procedures. So it has to be political. Right. It has to be mathematical, mathematical, sorry, not mathematical or scientific, mathematical mm-hmm. slash scientific. Uh, it has to be artistic or it has to be within the domain of love. So it has to be in one of those four truth procedures to occur. So nine 11 isn't, you know, it couldn't, and it also can't be reactionary. So it can't, so, mm-hmm. so the Holocaust can't be an event because it, right. it pushes things in the wrong direction. So there, there's all kinds of ways in which that concept, you know, he wants to tighten it down. But I, what I, I love that you quoted that thing because that, that passage shows it very open and, and mm-hmm. it's just about, what is it just about? Like the impossible becoming possible, right? Like yes, that, exactly. That's mm-hmm. basically the idea. And I think that's what we're talking about today, that all of a sudden all these things that were impossible become not just possible, but but exigent, right? Like they, they yeah. become like, oh my God, you can't not do that. And I think exactly. that's the notion of, that seems to me to the kind of concept of the event that I would be comfortable with. Yeah, and, it's, it, and that's what I think... I think that's what we have here. And, you know, like, again, like it's, and I, I just am acutely aware of the, like the, most of the time we do a, even if we're talking about like current events, um, I'm, I'm not when we're talking about, it, I'm not like as acutely aware of the present moment, but like right now, like I am and, and like, like this can go, uh, in many different ways, but it is, it isn't, it is an event. It's eventful. It is like we, we, you know, again, like we're not, uh, the conversation on Medicare for all right now, again, compare it today to two weeks ago. It's just like, um, in, again, in this country, it's, it's, you, you can't, it's, it it is, it is another world. In fact, I'll say this too. Um, uh, advertising, like we're talking about capital. I don't know if you've seen, have you seen, I'm going to put this in air quotes, like there's post pandemic, uh, commercials. I haven't seen one. uh, Okay, so for one, I think it's um, <laughs> uh, cloyingly optimistic, uh, but there's um, there. I don't know if it's a Ford commercial or it's it's some General Motors company. But um, I have a Hulu Plus Live TV, which means you, if you're watching live TV, you still see commercials, and and, and even if you're watching uh, shows like on demand, you still see commercials okay. uh, with it. And there was a car commercial 
and I'm not, again, I'm not sure for what General Motors company it was, but it begins with, it seems like the world changed overnight. And it was just a car on the road cut to people on the sales floor. And there's like, some people are talking to each other, like car salesmen. They're like, no one's going to want to come in to buy a car. And then the voiceover, like, I, I like blacked out for half a second because I was like, oh my God, this is advertising to the pandemic moment. And what they what it was is that you can go online and you can get a car shipped to you for a test drive and you can get like, uh, there's like no payments for like three months or something like that, like interest f- free for a long time if you need it. And I was like, they didn't waste a freaking second on on this. And uh, anyway, so that well, that's be, what aren't they aren't they proclaiming in that ad? Don't worry, this is a non-event. Nothing has changed. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, n- nothing has changed. But um, what it's trying to say, I mean, this is the thing. What it's trying to say is just the content has changed. Right. I mean, this is right. the this is the, the the between form and content. And so we have a, you know, we have a choice, or, um, or and as and and a, and more of a voice now than two weeks ago. And I can, I do not know what's going to happen or how this is going to play out. So it's not, we're not, I'm not prognosticating anything, but like there could be, and I think there, if there is a change in form, then I think even Baju would, would consider this an event, right? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I think he would, because I think what he might say, it's a political event. I think that's right. Like if it, if all of a sudden, Something you know, although I don't know about I was just saying I was gonna say yes and now I'm I'm thinking that <laughs> like I think he, he thinks it has to be a political movement, I think or a political event, sorry, I think for him has to be grounded in a political movement. Like I'm not sure mm-hmm. that he thinks a natural disaster can ever be the occasion for an event. I just think he wouldn't sure. allow it. Well, I mean, at least, in, I mean, in this country, like, I don't think, well, I'll put it this way. If we're not for the Bernie's, you know, say whatever you want about the Sanders presidential campaign, like we're not for the Sanders movement. I don't think conversation right now is as uh, potentially left-leaning as, Agreed. as it, Agreed. it would be, Agreed. you know, yeah, like, like the, so it's, so maybe that makes it complicated. Yeah, so maybe he would accept it for that reason. Yeah, yeah. That there's all this kind of movement on the ground that's that's paved the way for the and then when the disaster comes, it just it just kind of grad it, it like fills into that gap and mm-hmm. that's already the 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 path, the path has already been paved by the political yeah. activity so, and it just capitalizes on the disaster, right? Yeah, so, yeah definitely. Think, so so like I think this is what the so the 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 car commercial is like um, wants it to be every every uh, capital proceeds as normal, but it's just a little bit more distant. And everything's fine. And I think like the political, like I love the word you use, uh, exigent, like the political exigency is that like, no, we need to fundamentally change the, the form of this. Yeah, I like that. I mean, the, your point about the difference between form and content is absolutely central, right? That the form has to change, not just the content. And, and mm-hmm. the car company wants to just change the content and saying, don't pay attention to the form. It's, it's yep, going to yep. stay the same, right? Yep, yep. I want to just come to your the point that you want to make about this, the, the, the paper that you're <laughs> writing about this. Cause I think, I think it's equally important. And I think it points to what I, I said to Hillary, uh, my spouse, I said to her, you know, uh, it's kind of like a psychoanalytic utopia. And she goes, it's not a utopia. Millions of people are dying. And I'm like, okay, it was the wrong word, but, but it is a kind of <laughs> yeah. psychoanalytic imagining of what the, what a, a society 
I don't know, a, a, a more egalitarian society would have to be like, right? And I think your mm-hmm. essay really takes this up. Oh, okay. So the, Todd is referencing something which does not exist. Um, and although that's what, where we started, we, we started by referencing your essay, which does not exist. Which but, you have completed, but you've completed it and sent it to someone and I have not done the same for right. me. So I'm, um, I, yeah. So I, um, as I've talked about on this before, um, I, I mean, and if you're a listener, you know that, um, television is my, uh, is, is my thing. It's my baby. Um, as a professor of media studies, Television is often my focus. And one of my things within television studies that I care about very deeply is the idea of the bottle episode, which I talk about um, at length in our Mad Men episode going back a little bit. So um, bottle episodes, just really briefly, uh, are um, if you've ever seen an episode where characters get stuck in a meat locker, this was a, in the 60s and 70s, this happened a lot on TV, or if like they're stuck in an elevator or whatever, like that's a bottle episode. Like it focuses on like a, like a restriction of space. A lot of times it can be restricted to the, um, the space of uh, the, the, the normal set, and it's just the main cast of characters and what happens when you are like forced into like an enclosed space for some reason is you have to talk to one another and you have to talk in a way that, um, you know, you otherwise would not because there aren't outs, you know, like, like you, you, you can't leave. And right now everyone, um, many, many people in the world are living in their own, uh, bottle episodes. And what happens in, these episodes of television is that it forces characters to find a new way to relate to self and to other, uh, you know, like you have to find a new way to relate to, um, your own psyche and to the group. Um, and I think that's what we're looking at. And, and there is along with the, um, the political, the chance for like radical political potential that we have right now. I think we also have it on the, um, on, on the, the, the personal level the and, and level. in the group. Yeah, yeah. The psychic level at, 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 again, for both individual and for group. And so I, I, that's, that's kind of what, that's what I, that's what I see right now. And I, and part of what, what's drawn me to, to look at it this way is that like, you know, um, of the, of the things in the world that are, that are least important, I think the most important is television. Um, some people have said soccer or f- football, but I, I think it's TV. Um, and there, I'm not sure there's a least important way of looking at television than academically. (laughs) And what I'm, you know, like what I think has to be seized in this moment is that like, what's the point of expertise when everyone is, is sort of, is everyone's suffering and like expertise is routinely mocked and not taken seriously, like in, in, in like in sometimes in popular social circles and also like at the levels of government, you know, like, like what, what is, what does it matter? And I think that the the answer to me is that uh, if expertise has to push it, it like the, it cannot just be that like, Oh, no one believes the climate scientists, but they get to put their feet up as the world burns because no one listened to them. That can't be the point of it. The point has to be that like that expertise, it forces this like uh, an awareness of, of antagonism in a way that you couldn't have seen before. And I, I think that, I mean, this is one of the whole like mission statements of this podcast, which is that like, you do not need to be an expert to, to, you know, you do not have to have a PhD. You don't, you don't have to be uh, professors at universities to, to be able to like meet this kind of antagonism, like head on, like this is available to anyone if 
the process I think of academic inquiry is like um, shared to a broad public. And I think that if, if we, what what the understanding needs to be brought to something like this, that like you can look at something like television episodes that are made because literally the production ran out of money and they needed to write an episode like kind of quickly and produce it cheaply that produces like genuinely like sincere emotional uh, contact between characters. Like that's, that's how all we're, we are all trying to live as cheaply and efficiently as possible. And we are forced in our own psyche and into the, the psyche of others. And what we have to find is a new way to relate. And I, so I think that like this situation right now is a total confrontation with antagonism, both in, in, in psyche, both in like in, in group. Like, I think it's a, it's like, we talked a little bit about like the problem, the surface level problem of the Academy, but I also think like, you know, or, 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 you know, college because we're doing everything online, but I think it also goes back to a larger existential one, which is like, what is the point of all of this? And I think if it doesn't bring us closer to um, antagonism, then there, then there is no point. Yeah. That's really good. I, I mean, I love this idea that the only function of the expert is to try to push us toward antagonism. <laughs> I think that's a, yeah. you know, because otherwise experts are pretty worthless. And I think that's, I mean, the Trump administration has made that clear. And I think the exact wrong response would be, oh, they hate experts. Let's put our faith in experts. That seems like, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, uh, in the case of scientists, we need to listen to them. But I think that mm-hmm. we need to listen to them to the extent that they can point out and direct us to antagonism, which I think yes. that's what science does in a, in a, in yeah, a yeah. really fundamental way. I also think that, that, I mean, it's a great, what you're saying is great. Like the forced, like you're forced to confront your own psyche when you're pinned in, yeah. not only in relation to others, but also in relation to yourself. And I think, so I think it's the, it's an amazing time for revelation. I mean, maybe it's mm-hmm. revelation that you get at the, at the edge of death. Like, I think that's part of it too, but I, uh, for me, I <laughs> mean, uh, uh, I hope not. I hope not. Uh, but I, I, the other thing I want to say is I think that the the way that the, the this is happening is that what I love is that in order to do something for the collective, you have mm-hmm. to isolate yourself individually. And you know yeah. we're titling the episode "Coronavirus and Its Discontents," and I think in a reference, obviously, to Freud's civilization and its discontents. And there, Freud—that's the book where he really theorizes this antagonism between the individual and the and the group, or the individual and society. And I wonder if this doesn't show a way of not overcoming it, but like reconciling ourselves to that antagonism, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. we—it's only through being together apart that you can actually, you know, confront and reconcile yourself to the antagonism between the individual and the society. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, like, obviously, like, I, I, I 100% support this. Like, it's, it's, um, and I think, you know, those, those of us who are fortunate enough to um, be able to, to, like, think through this which means that you know like we're not like trying to scavenge for like for food and toilet paper like like as though our our lives depend on it you know like i think that this is um i don't know like would you say like this is some 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 things this this gets said a lot i think in american societies that like people don't have time for politics yeah you know, or like people don't like, oh, oh, people would care more about others, but they don't have time to think about them. A lot of people have a lot more time to think about that stuff right now. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, and I, and I think that, you know, this is where, this is where quilting point comes in because it's like, you know, you, 
you, except for these rich people who are like my God singing John Lennon's imagine, like they have don't never thought about what it means repulsive. Uh, to try to, it's repulsive, repulsive to try to make people, you know, like you're, um, you, you know, p- people are, um, I, I think coming to terms with like their own vulnerabilities. And then you think about like how vulnerable you are and there is someone more, right. More vulnerable. Right. And that's, and that's not a, like a, a naming and shaming. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that that's how it happens or has happened most of the time is like, is that like, well, you should feel bad for what you have because someone has less. And I think right now it's like, look, someone has less and literally we can help them because yeah, let's do what like, we can. Right. Yeah. Money yeah. is made up. It's clear that money's made up and we can just help them. There's actually no problems in place. Like, for, like, like directly helping people. And so, yeah, that's, I, I think that, um, like, I think that, that the crisis at the time that Freud was writing, like it was clear that it was like the, the, the right wing turn that it was taking, you know, I mean, you know, again, like we we're talking about a Jewish man who had to escape the, um, what was like, he had to escape the Holocaust. Right. You know? Right. And, and that's a, um, you know, a, in Germany, it was, it was a, it was a right wing quilting point on, on, on that, on that particular political moment. And I think that like we have an opportunity to not go down that like, Hey, you know, what's, you know, who's to blame for people being vulnerable. It's the most vulnerable. Like we, and, and I, and I've, you know, at least heartened enough to see that, um, people with actual like political influence, um, are like seeing and saying that, you know, I mentioned Rashida Tlaib earlier, but you know, there are, there are others. Um, so that, yeah, I think that like we, we have a, we have an opportunity to like grasp a, a different way between uh self and group and, and and way forward than than freud imagined and i you know dearly hope <laughs> that yeah that yeah. it turns out differently yeah yeah i mean i think that's right but but i do think that freud's still right that there is an inherent antagonism between the two and so the yeah, question yeah. Oh, yeah, bec- for sure. you know so the question becomes like how do you how do you reconcile yourself to that antagonism and i think what the virus like i just feel like the re- response to the virus shows that you know we're still connected to each other i think it it actually i mean i think what's what's amazing is that people have felt less and less of as as we've become more and more globally connected people have felt less and less connected yes. which yes. which is an incredible irony but i also attribute to the to the power of capitalism and i i think that the what this virus shows is the opposite that the, as we become more apart we mm-hmm. sense more we're more and more connected to each other and i think that's the that's the key to understanding uh, i mean that, that 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 you have to still be apart because i think there's no way that you can lose yourself in the collective and i think that maybe that's one of the great tragedies of of the soviet chinese cambodian experience of the of the of the of the, of the 20th century right that the, mm-hmm. this this like you have to lose yourself in the collective. All of your individual subjectivity has to be submerged in the collective. And if it's not, we're going to eliminate you, right? Mm-hmm. Like that That image of communism is, I think, trumped by – I didn't mean to use Trump. Yeah, that's uh, pretty funny. It's trumped by our situation today and it, it presents a new form of whatever it could, we want to call it. Like we've struggled for the term in the past, like socialism or whatever. Like that, or, But whatever it is – it's a new form that doesn't require this um, immersing of yourself in the collective almost simply because you can't because mm-hmm. in order to be concerned about the collective, you have to 
extract yourself from it and not go out and see people and not connect to people. So I feel like that it's it's the you connect through disconnecting, and I think that's the yeah. if I I mean I feel like that's the whatever we've we've kind of searched for this what would be a psychoanalytic way of thinking about political activity and I feel like mm-hmm. that's almost a perfect image of what it would be like like it would be it would be I have to be just with myself but that's how I I never lose sight of the connection to the collective I think that we've come close to this before I forget what episode is it where we ended up thinking about like you it's like you in your like like alone in your utter alienation like is the only way to access the collective. I swear we said that at the yeah, end. Yeah, I like that idea. It's a very yeah. existentialist idea that Well, but, but can I I want to just I want to go here. I'm glad you said that word yeah. because I think that this what we all are right now is a um so what Sartre would have called so Sartre, I think we've said this on the podcast before um and where he um intersects with my um research interests is um on seriality and for him uh, seriality is a terrible thing. It, it is created by capital to group people superficially. So a line of people waiting at a bus stop right. is, a, is, a, is a series of people who have no meaningful connection. Uh, Which to he them. contrasts to a group infusion, right? Like a group right. that's actually yes. fused d- together acting politically. Exactly. A genuine collective. Right. Is this not, I think this is fascinating, is this not <laughs> a refusal of, of his premise? Because all we are right now is a series of, of individuals and what I think like you've seen is that like, like all like, like the, the, because we're actually, well, it both confirms and I think contrasts with what he says, because we're loosed from these superficial, like symbolic connections. And it's in the isolation that we actually can grasp a real collectivity. Right. He couldn't have understood that. He never would have theorized it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. you're right. I think that's that, fascinating. Yeah, because, but I like what you said that we were kind of loosed from the superficial connection of the bus stop, and then we yeah. get the we get. I mean, I think you're right that even in that serial connection, there's some there's a political moment that he's unaware of. But, mm-hmm. but I think in being loosed from it, the pol- the political moment becomes even more apparent. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's I think that's what's really revelatory about our contemporary moment, at least for now. I mean, I think this is interesting because this could be one of our podcasts that's the most quickly dated. It could just be, yeah, it could yeah. be like in two weeks, it could be un, it could be unlistenable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which doesn't make us brave <laughs> or <laughs> heroic or anything. Or the opposite, um, maybe. I mean, it's the, kind of yeah. stupid for wasting our time with this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it is, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it will, we'll definitely like, you know, it's it's fun, so funny. Like there are like sports podcasts that I have like backed up, and I thought like, oh, I could listen to them. And some of them are from a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, I can't do that. Yeah, what would be not, the point? Yeah, yeah. What's the point? That's not not a world I can like. You know, I can listen to that even if it's like a discussion. You know, what I mean, like a general discussion that doesn't have to do with what what's like happening like in like a, the contemporary sports season in any sport. You can't listen to it. I know. It's, it's amazing for me too. Like I. I like my devotion to the sports page is, 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 it's like my morning. It's like Hegel used to say that, that the reading the morning paper is, is, is for the modern subject is like the morning. That's how he, she, or he says his morning prayer. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's really true about the sports page. And that's that, but not now, like it's now just, yeah. I, I just have no, like they're still writing columns about it to some right. extent. It's less, yeah. but, mm-hmm. but I just have no interest in it. 
So it's, it's and, I, and I think it's because of the way in which this has just taken over everything. And I think that itself is a sign of the way in which we have to be invested in the, that the, the collective has been imposed upon us and mm-hmm. collective thinking has been imposed upon us. Mm. Yeah, in this like utterly like contradictory way, right? Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The you yeah. know the the con- the connection affirmed through like enforced and mandatory like disconnection. Yeah, and yeah. again, and it's not for and it's not for like I think this is the important point. Like it's not for for war. It's not for made up friend enemy. It's for like for public health. You know, right. and I, and I think that and I think that that's another thing here where. I mean, and this is another interest of mine too, is, is thinking about like, how do we think of public? Like, what does public refer to? And a lot of the time, I think when you, like public transportation, it's like, oh, it's not clean. It's dirty. It's slow. It doesn't come. And now public is everyone. Like it, it always referred to everybody. But now I think it's like, like when, when you hear public, like, like this is like, is this going to help the public? Like, I think everyone can see themselves in, in it and they don't, they cannot exclude themselves from it. Like, like we all understand on some level more so now that we are part of a public. It's a great point. Uh, that this reassertion of the public. Private. Yeah. 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 Through, through, through a, like through a radical, like private sphere is, is this assertion of, of the reassertion of the public. Well, I wonder if you think like, it makes us, makes clear that our private sphere isn't private at all. Like, I yeah, wonder that's, if that's, I think, I think, so. yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I think that's, tr- I think it's true. It also, I mean, it also shows like, you know, I would like, um, like, I, Kara and I go, go for a walk around. We've been going for walks around the neighborhood, you know, California is in uh shelter in place, which is the, <laughs> I, I mean, my God, I want to know how much the person who came up with that phrase uh, over lockdown, what's a nice way to say lockdown. Right, right, <laughs> I want right. to know the person who came up with that because they probably got an early lunch at least yeah. out of, out of that yeah. suggestion. Um, so we, so that's, that's our life here. And, but we've been taking walks and it's just like, if you see someone coming, you got to get to the other side. Of you the get street. to the other side. Yeah. And which is the wave, which is the yeah, public, public yeah. which is interesting because that's yeah. the kind, yes, concerned for the other thing to do. Which again, yeah. this is like it's the opposite of the way we usually think. But I think it really, it's a real dialectical moment, right? Like it, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That's what's great about it. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. It's it's so that's a you know that's a little that's a that's a that's a little thing and a little concrete example where it's like yeah like you're thinking like you don't want to get sick but also you don't you know like like whether like me even. Oh, or maybe this goes back to the Kant episode. Like, even if you're doing that for your for yourself, you know, like it's actually still in the public interest. Right, right. I mean, that's yeah. the other thing about this this illness is the way that it, you know, the virus, the way that in which your selfish behavior is inextricable from the collectivist behavior. Right. I mean, it's yeah, kind of yeah, crazy yeah. the way that works. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's almost impossible to. I mean. No, these senators are proving, and these these these, yeah. these rich people that have moved up to the Hamptons and isolated themselves—they're proving you can still be selfish in a way that violates the collective. But mm-hmm. but it's harder. It's harder, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, so yeah. I feel like you know the the. Have you seen the film Outbreak? Oh no, I haven't. Actually. It's worth seeing, it's a, and because yeah. uh, it's a good it's a it's a disaster film about the way in which the public gets formed through the disaster, and it also they're confronted with this us versus them. Like, do we take the, choose the collective or do we choose the us versus them? So it's a nice, it's a really nice. And Kevin Spacey, uh, Kevin Spacey is punished for his, 
his sins in that film. Well, good because so, he should be. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's my lesson for this for that's this true. week. Mine I, is mine is watch a bottle episode. Watch a bottle. Uh, okay, so we have a conflicting lessons. Okay. Well, that's right. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll, and just to throw them out there, uh, the one where no one is ready. That episode of Friends. Uh, there are two two good ones: the Seinfeld Chinese restaurant and parking garage. Um, Community is the best show to watch. Bottle episodes. Um, they have a couple every, every season, I think, after season two. Cooperative, cooperative uh, calligraphy is the maybe the best one to watch because it it actually is meta-referential of it being a bottle episode. Uh, then there's uh, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons from the second season also. Remedial Chaos Theory, season three. Uh, that's an excellent one. Um, and there's uh, a, a season five episode that I'm forgetting the name of that's all that's uh that's also quite good but anyway um Brian and Stewie is uh one of the things about bottle episodes they tend to be very sincere and um there's an episode of Family Guy which like I'm, I can't there are few <coughs> a few shows more insincere than Family Guy but the episode called Brian and Stewie where they get locked in a bank vault that's a good one um and that's uh uh I think that's it that's what that's, that's all that I have off the top of my head well I mean like you know uh there's the um madman we talked about the suitcase i i consider that a bottle episode the constant episode of lost i think that's a bottle episode relative to what that show is uh and how and how it tells its story that's season four episode six i think anyway wow, you got a lot of lessons for this week that's a that's lot. a lot well yeah. you know there are you know there's probably a bottle episode of everyone's favorite show so yeah. you know what maybe it should be like you you find it you find the one where they're where they're where they're stuck. They're they're locked in. They just have to talk to each other. Or they can contact you if they have a favorite show, and you probably know the bottle episode. For it. <laughs> I can try to I could try to help if I do the show. Yeah, 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 that's it. Well, anyway, all you right. Take care of yourself. Tom. Okay, I will try to. Hopefully, okay. we'll meet again. So over and out, Ryan. <laughs> over and out, Todd.